But today we're going to be hopping into our series talking about James chapter 4. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. So I was talking to Abby right before the broadcast, and one of the things I like to do whenever we're studying the word like this, where we're going line upon line, is I want to get some context for what I'm reading. So, yeah. And I'm sure Buddy has given some background on this already. But we've been in this broadcast for a little, a little bit. We've been in this series for a little bit. So just as a refresher, James, the author of it, he is the half-brother of Jesus, and he is writing to the Jewish Christians who have moved over into the West. They're expanding the church. They're moving westward and they're experiencing persecution. So he is writing this letter because he desires to build up the body, to encourage them, but also he wants to spur them on to holy living. He doesn't just want us to be hearers of the word and not doers. He wants our faith to actually produce. So the book of James overall was written uh, to comfort the persecuted believers. He wanted to um, he wanted to just draw pure pureness, holiness in their worship yeah. to the surface. He wanted to bring that up so that's what they were doing. And then he wanted to convict the people who were just professing to believe and not having fruit that backed it up. Yeah. So that's overall what James is supposed to be. Yeah. Exhorting and encouraging exhorting pure, holy religion, and then convicting people who talk it and don't walk it, Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we've had, if you haven't seen Friday's messages, go back, watch all of the other messages on James. But today in James 4, um, this is basically the healthy conflict chapter, (laughs) as I am now dubbing it. I like that. Because that's basically all it is. James like, you know what? We've, I've given you a bunch of teaching up to this point. Yeah. Now we're just going to dive in yeah. and we're going to have a lot of, a lot of healthy conflict and correction, which yeah. we've talked about it before. <laughs> All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yeah. Yet when we give ourselves to it, it produces that peaceful fruit of righteousness. So yeah. overall, this chapter really is looking at sin. You know, these believers, he was, James heard testimony of these believers who had sin among them. And as a good leader, as a good pastor, he couldn't just let sin remain and let sin run rampant through the church that he was supposed to be overseeing. As the pastor of all these churches, his responsibility is to steer that flock with the rod and the staff. Yeah. So he has a responsibility from the mandate of God to pastor the sheep, to reprove when necessary, build up when necessary. So, I mean, we literally dive in these first few verses and it is like intense correction. (laughs) So just right out of the gate, know that that's what we're diving into, but it's necessary for growth. Yeah. If I'm not corrected when I'm wrong, I won't grow. Yeah. And put that in the comments. If I'm not corrected when I'm wrong, I won't grow. And God's heart is for us to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that that's the whole thing. It's not something for us to read and be like, oh, man, I want to skip over this chapter. Mm -mm. It's correction that we need to take. Okay, have I been doing any of this, even if it's not to the full extent, even partially? 
because it's not something like, oh man, James just really wanted to just beat these people up and really make them feel terrible and bad yeah. and condemned and all this stuff. Mm-mm. He Because the Lord had given him a heart for these people, he saw this sin that they were living in, and not only was it hurting those around them, like how much does it hurt people for us to say we're Christians, but then to go out living like the world and being mean and rude and hurting people just like the world, well, that that hurts people. That yeah. has an effect. So not only is he wanting to help them change for the people around them, but living in what he's talking about is a terrible way to live. Yeah. They He wanted them to have better lives than this. He wanted better for them. But sometimes that takes uncomfortable to, to sharpen, you know, iron sharpens iron. And for that iron to get sharp, it takes friction sometimes. And it's not comfortable, but it's necessary, like yeah. you were saying. It, but it it's coming out of a heart of love. Yeah. The whole Bible, whether it's correction or exhorting, is coming from a place of love. No matter what, I want better for you. Yeah. So if you look at James 1 and probably <laughs> through like 4 or 5. So what, you can put this in the comments, James 4, 1. Yeah. And Sammy, if Marky showed you how to put the verses up, feel free to. If she didn't, no big deal. Um, so James 4, 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Quarrelsomeness, if you will. Quarrelsomeness. Uh, is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. So basically, he's like, what are, where are all of these issues coming from? Where is all this quarreling, all this yeah. arguing? And basically, he's saying it's coming from your undisciplined flesh. Because you've yielded to your flesh, all of this garbage is happening. That's literally cause and effect. Well, and they're finding finding pleasure and enjoyment in this sin. They're enjoying it. Yeah, it's all that flesh just allowed to run rampant. So verse 2 says, you lust, you do not have, so you commit murder. And not necessarily like they're going out and axing everybody. But if you think on, I mean, they might, they might just be John wicking everyone around them. But in a bad way. In a bad way. So anyway, <laughs> if you even think about, like, if you even hate someone in your mind, like if you're allowing yeah. that disunity to be, because that's what quarrels, I was yeah. about to say quarrelsomeness. quarrelsomeness. It's our word of the day. But I mean, truly, if you allow fighting yeah. to remain you basically get to a point in your brain where you start to hate them. That hatred is equivalent to murder. If you do it in your mind, you're actually, you might as well do the action. Yeah. Don't go kill someone today. Please. That's the big takeaway. Don't go do it. Uh, but <laughs> Ever. But that's what he's saying. You're, you're lusting. You don't have, so you're committing murder. You're yeah. hating because of your envy of all these other people. Yeah, exactly. You're envious. You cannot obtain it. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not ask, be, or you do not have because you do not ask. Anything before yeah. I move on? Okay. No. <laughs> I don't want to just plow through and then. Yeah, yeah. And then verse 3. And honestly, verse 3 is why when people are like, I pray and I don't see it happen. Verse 3 is really probably a lot of why. He, ding, ding, ding. he says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Yeah. And basically he's saying what that means is you're asking for stuff that's selfish and you want from God so you can go live by the flesh and cave to your flesh and allow your flesh to run you. So it's like, you know, if I, 
if I have an issue with alcohol mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, I want a thousand dollars, but I'm wanting that thousand dollars just to go pay my bar tab or just to go get drunk at the bar. God's not going to equip something that he's not in the midst of. Yeah. Likewise, God, I really want a Lamborghini. It'll bring you glory yeah. to have this great big car in me. Like if I can have it, it'll, it'll show people yeah. how much of a provider you are. When actually my own heart is like, yeah. I just want this so people think I'm something special. Right. Motives have everything to do with whether our prayers are heard and responded mm-hmm. to. Yeah, exactly. I was going to use that because that's like the age old, you know, Lamborghini example. People will hear the prosperity gospel. They'll, they'll hear the message of faith and go out, Lord, I want a Lamborghini, please. And like, and then, and then don't see it. Yeah. And, and question, well, I guess the whole Bible doesn't work. Yep. It's read the whole thing. <laughs> read, read the rest. Read the context because the heart is everything. That's, yeah. what, that's what the Lord wants. He wants our heart. And as we give him our heart and our motives and our desires, he gives. He delivers. He wants to bless us. But we've got, we've got to give everything over to him. Yeah. And as we give all of us, he gives us all of him. Yeah. And so it's just a good check. So... The context of who he's talking to are people who are fighting amongst themselves, yeah. are jealous amongst themselves, yeah. are lusting after different things because the flesh wants it, are mm-hmm. asking God for things that they have no business asking for because their motives aren't pure, yeah. or they're not even talking to God in general. That's literally, you don't have because you don't ask. Yeah. That means fellowships cut off with God somewhere. Yeah. This is not terrific fruit to have. And he's Great. not writing it to sinners. Like yeah. he's not writing this to people who have not heard the gospel message. Yeah. He's writing this to the 12 tribes. That means that they're <laughs> God's people. These are like yeah. Jewish converts to Christianity. Yeah. And so he's writing this to people who should be doing better. Right. And they're not. Mm-hmm. And because they're living in this state of sin, a good pastor and a good leader has a responsibility to bring correction even when it's not easy. Yeah. Like it's not always easy on the flesh as a leader to have to bring to someone, look, this is a big issue. This yeah. is something that needs fixing. But because of the love of God that James had for these people, his love is compelling him to write this. Yeah. Condemnation would have us read this and be like, man, James was angry at these people. These people were messing up. But James had a heart for them. Yeah. He loved these people. And it's love that's prompting him to write this. Yeah. It's love that's prompting him to communicate these things. And yeah. saying, look, let's hold up the mirror that he talks about earlier in the, in the word. Let's hold up that mirror I was talking to you about. Let's take an actual examination of the fruit you have because it's not much. And what fruit it is, it's rotten. So I love you too much to stay in rotten fruit. Let's fix this. Yeah. So that's verse three. Verse four, again, really exciting things. (laughs) You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? And that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. That what in reading that it reminds me of today. The mm-hmm. world is doing all this stuff. Yeah. And it's normal in the world's eyes for everyone 
to be in adultery, jealousy, like lasciviousness, giving into your flesh, giving into, yeah. you know, sexual perversion, all this stuff. It's rampant yeah. around. That's normal. And if I allow it, I'm essentially becoming a friend of it. I'm tolerating it. Yeah. That tolerance then gets in me and I'll start doing some of that yeah. stuff. And he's saying that friendship, that tolerance, you're literally cheating on God. Yeah. Like allowing any sort of compromise to yeah. the word is, as in a relationship, it's cheating on your spouse. If I allow yeah. myself to be given to any other man in any yeah. way, emotionally, physically, anything, yeah. if I am emotionally connecting with a man who's not my husband, I am cheating on my husband. Yeah. If I'm allowing myself to physically connect with someone who's not my husband, I'm cheating on my husband. Yeah. And so these people, they're, they were purchased by God, yeah. and yet they're allowing themselves to be connecting with the world in a way that God never wanted them to. Yeah. He never wanted us to become partakers of the world like that. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. Yeah. Well, it says, you know, Satan is the, the God of this world, for lack of better terms. I mean, he, he is the God of this world. So quite literally, if we're not chasing after God, if we are chasing after, after the world, even if it doesn't seem extreme or big, all the devil's whole point is to steal, to kill, and destroy. So even if it doesn't seem big, if it's, if it's turning from God and going, I, I really just want this in the world. I really want these people to like me. Yeah. I want them to accept me. I want to, to be uh, cool in their eyes or whatever. Even if it doesn't seem like a big deal, it's all leading to death. It's all leading to death one way or another. Yeah. And it's, it's serving the devil. So I'm not saying if you ever do anything like watch TV again, you know, you're serving the devil. But in everything, we should be led. Mm -hmm. We should be led. Do it at the leading of God. Yeah. And, and again, what are the motives? What are the, why are we doing this? Yeah. And it, it goes back to the very beginning of the chapter right here. Why are we doing what we're doing? In everything that we do, it should be because we love God, because we're going after him. So when, when I do watch movies and stuff, it's because he's, he's given me a piece. Yeah, I want you to relax right now. I want you to spend time, just chill, chill time. If he tells me not to, then I don't. And that's my reason for it, because I want to obey him. And it's that, it's not saying you must never, you must only read your Bible all day, 24-7, and that's it, or else you're like committing adultery against God. Yeah. That's not what it's saying. It's not that legalistic. It's, it's just what are our motives in all that we do. In my whole life, my whole life is surrendered to God. Yeah. So am I chasing after the things of the world and the pleasures of the world? Or am I chasing after God and pleasing God and being obedient to him? Yeah. So the rest of that verse four says, Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world <laughs> makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever gives clearance for the world to stay the world. Yeah. And doesn't stand for holiness, doesn't stand for godly justice, doesn't stand for the uncompromising word. You're making your, we're making ourselves enemies of God. And it's like yesterday, there's a, um, there's an amendment that's being voted on here in this community. Just, and the amendment has been written up by pastors in the city to stand for holiness. Yeah. And there was a turn, a huge turnout of different believers from different churches all, all across the city last night. 
the vote got tabled, it's moved to next month, we're going to show back up next month. But why? Because something was trying to come into our city yeah. that is worldly, that is promoting perversion, that is raising up a standard that is not God. And as a believer, I have a responsibility instead of looking like the world and caving into the pressure that the world brings me. I have a responsibility to stand up against it and hold up the standard of the world and say, I will not participate with this. I won't allow my city to participate with this. I am a light on a hill. I am a pillar of holiness because I'm an ambassador of God. And so if I'm doing that, if I'm standing for what God says to stand for, then I'm proving I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm a doer of the word. But if I just allow sin, flagrant sin to run rampant and not just happen around me, but I start participating with it, If I start participating with sin, if I'm going out and getting high, if I'm going out and drinking, if I'm going out and prostituting myself, if I'm doing this stuff, I'm not proving that I'm a friend of God. I'm literally proving myself as an enemy of God because my fruit then becomes not God's. He's not in that. So it's literally saying whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Yeah. If I compromise to that, I'm sacrificing my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And why is why are we saying it this black and white because the word is black and white on it. And if we yeah. allow the greasy grace message to come into our hearts and think, "Well, God doesn't really care if I sin. It's fine." No, he cares. Because sin kills. Yeah. Sin leads to destruction. At the least, it's going to interrupt my fellowship with God. Yeah. At the most, it'll pull me entirely into hell. And yes. that needs to be our wake-up call. That's why James is writing it this way. And we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll prove that later on in these verses. James is giving them a wake-up call. Yeah. He's watched them be in sin. And he's like, look, you're not seeing what you're doing. I need to write this to you to wake up. It's not enough to just say I love Jesus and not ever have fruit from it. Yeah. Especially it's not enough to bear fruit of the world. It's time to wake up because the fruit that you're bearing is proving you belong to someone else and that someone else can't save you. So this entire book, Healthy Conflict, but also a wake up call of wake up from sin. Wake up from allowing this stuff just to exist. Yeah. Well, and put this in the comments. The end goal of all sin, big or small, is death. Yeah. Is death. And put that in the comments because it's it's important that we recognize this. And this is what he's trying to get to them. These people loved God. Like what we've been saying, they loved God. They, They were Christians at this point. So that, you know, having Holy Spirit inside of you, you don't just wake up one day and think, I want to sin. That's not like that's not how sin typically happens. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the small foxes that spoil the yeah. vine. It's just compromising in something small. Well, I have a feeling I, I feel like Holy Spirit saying I probably shouldn't do this. I should probably do this, but it's something small. Yeah. I can I what is it going to matter? I want to do this more. So I'm, I'm just going to do, I've been doing this my whole life. It hasn't been a problem. I'm right. just going to do this. Just something small. And then it 
keeps going and becomes a habit. And then all of a sudden, when I hear God's voice again, it's easier to not listen. And all sin, big or small, the end goal is death. Yeah. And I don't think these people were malicious. I don't think they were trying to be this bad, just waking up doing this. It was the small things that they allowed. Yeah. They didn't recognize this point. The end goal of all sin is death. That's the end goal that Satan's trying to get at for every single person. So we've got to make sure... I'm not going to compromise in the big things, but I'm not going to compromise in the small things too because those are just as important. Yeah. So verse 5, I feel like we're 85% of pastor right now. (laughs) We're going fast. Verse 5, honestly. (laughs) Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. And I want to read that in the Amplified real fast Mm -hmm. because it says, Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. The NLT says basically God is passionate that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. Yeah. Like that God is passionate that the spirit that he placed in us is supposed to be faithful to him. Yeah. So when he's watching his people choose to be adulteresses against him, and he, the his very own spirit is inside of them, basically held captive by their flesh, he's jealous over that. He's like, no, I place something good in you. Yeah. You're mine. You're mine. He... It's not a wrong jealousy. It's a good jealousy. He's a jealous God because he desires that intimacy. And he purchased us and he sealed us. He gave us the promise of heaven and the time to come with Holy Spirit. Yeah. Dr. Rodney said, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, I've heard say multiple times that he envisions Holy Spirit like an engagement ring. Yeah. It's a promise. Yeah. So when his Holy Spirit is basically being worn around while living in sin, that causes God to be jealous because he yearns for the people carrying his spirit to be faithful to him. Yeah. Yeah, he he wants our hearts. Yeah. He wants us to long for him and his ways. God, I love you so much. Yeah. I want to I want to live my life your way. I want to live it how you have because I love you. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. So verse six, and these are verses that here in the ministry, uh, if you've ever been in Boomerang, you have undoubtedly heard pastor (laughs) or Pastor Nicole or the worship team or someone quote these because these are like core verses to us. Verse six says, he gives a greater grace. Yeah. He gives a greater grace. Why is he saying that? Because when you're that entrenched in sin, it feels hopeless. Like I can't change that. I can't do anything different. This is what I've always done, or this is what I know to do, or I'm in too deep. God's literally saying, no, he gives a greater grace. Yeah. He gives a greater grace. He gives a stronger grace. He gives a greater grace. That grace is available to break the bondage of sin. Mm -hmm. That grace is available to free us from sin. The grace is there. How we can live free from sin by receiving that grace. And we're about to find out how. The how we can live free from sin, we're heading yeah. there. But before we do, know and let's get it down and 
like to the depths of us, there's a greater grace that God makes available than the pathway of sin. It's a grace that pulls us and frees us from it. So he says, he, God gives a greater grace. Therefore it says God is opposed to the proud. He's opposed to pride, but he gives grace to the humble. So that's that key. How are we going to get grace? Humility. We're about to find out how important humility is. Grace is what links us to the power that's available to live free from that sin. Yeah. So in verse 7, how do we tap into that grace? Number one, we submit therefore to God. Number two, we resist the devil. Yeah. He will flee. So number one, submit to God. Number two, resist the devil. He runs off like a scared little kid. Number three in verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Number four, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Number five, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Yeah. So in, those, in that little area, submit to God. Mm-hmm. Submission to the Lord is key for grace to come. Yeah. Number two, resist the devil. So it's not enough to say, oh yeah, God, I'll do it your way. But when the devil comes, don't go with him. Yeah. Like don't, don't go back and redo the thing that we just submitted yeah. to God for. Resist him. The devil will flee and then come close to him. Yeah. Draw close to God. And God will cleanse us. He'll help to cleanse us. He'll help to purify us. It's a beautiful system. All we have to do is submit and resist and draw near. And in the drawing near, he's the cleanser. He's the purifier. Exactly. Yeah. So, so often we, well, well, I want to go back up here. Mm -hmm. He says, but he gives grace to the humble. So then he's showing us how to be humble. And that's submitting to God. That's saying, okay, well, we're recognizing here. Okay. We may not have been living exactly how we should have. There may be things we need to clean up. So let me, in humility, how do I humble myself to God? Recognizing, okay, the way I've been doing it, it hasn't been great. <laughs> so God, I, I humble myself to you. I know that you are the truth. I submit to what you say to do. So it's saying submit to God. That's how we become humble. Mm-hmm. Not this, oh, I'm so terrible. And that's false humility. That's I'm worthless. I'm nothing. That's what the world teaches is humility, and the world is wrong. <laughs> it's leading to death. False humility is not good. It's, yeah. This is real humility. It's submitting to God. Okay, God, I've been doing this wrong. Let me do it your way. I'm done doing it my way. It was leading to death. Yeah. I'm going to do it your way. Submitting to God. Lord, whatever you say to do, I'll do. And then resisting the devil. And it's so, we make it, we have made it so complicated Resisting yeah. the devil, oh, man, I've got to, like, do this and do this and do this and got to get it exactly right and all, oh, but he's so powerful and all this stuff. He's a wimp, and we have all the power. All it comes down to, literally, is saying no. That's all it comes down to, is saying no. So as soon as whatever it is yeah. in living free from sin, Lord, I'm doing it your way. The devil tries to come and say, oh, but this is so bad. You need to do it this way. Oh, but this is the only right way to do it. 
no. Yeah. That's not my thought. I don't receive it. I'm not doing it that way. And then move on. That's literally as simple as it is. Big thing, small thing. It's still the same because the devil has no power. Right. Sin has no power over us once we come into the kingdom of God, once we become Christians. It has no power over us. We have the power to either draw near to God, to submit to him, or to submit to the devil. We have the power. So what are we going to say yes to and what are we going to say no to? So this whole thing is saying, submit to God. God, I'm saying yes to whatever you say. You know the truth better than I know the truth. And I will say no anytime the devil tries to come at me with this again. It's it's that simple. Yeah. It's literally that simple. Yes, God, no devil. No devil. Yes, God. It's it's that simple. We don't need to make it any more complicated because that's when it can get so confusing. Well, and what's in like the parts that I think are equally as important is that drawing near to him. Yeah. So we can know that we need to submit and say no, but the power comes in drawing near to God. Yeah. So as we draw near to God, that's when we can begin the cleansing process and the purifying process. Because we're in the world, we're not of the world. So there's stuff that we need to recognize. We've been raised believing is normal, and it's not normal. It's not normal for us to have sin run rampant. It's not normal Because God has decreed that it's sin. If it's sin, it's not normal. So we need to come closer to God. Like I, Abby's completely right, but I know there have been times for me where I have had such a zeal for God. I'm like, okay, I'm submitted to you, God, and I'm going to resist the devil. And because I haven't drawn near to him and I haven't cleansed my mind and I haven't let God purify my heart, I haven't known what's been the devil and what's not been. And I've just kind of allowed it to keep happening. And before I've known it, I've ended up in the same place. Because there has to be a mind renewal. Yep. There has to be a mind Mm -hmm. renewal in order for us to properly submit and resist. That's why James lists them in here too. Those Mm -hmm. two things, submit, resist, are Mm -hmm. huge. But properly doing so comes from drawing near to God cleansing our minds, purifying our hearts. That's why in Romans 12, 2, it's talking about us presenting our minds and transforming our minds by the word of God. And he talks about that. There has to, in order for us to truly submit to God, there has to be a heart transformation that takes place. Yeah. In order to true, and put that in the comments, in order to truly be submitted to God, There has to be a transformation that takes place. And we're literally about to get to the verses that so many people get jacked up on or confused on or just skip over because it feels uncomfortable. And yet it's it's exactly what we're talking about. It's the transformation time. God intends for his people to be transformed into his image and into his likeness. Yeah. You ready to go into Mm -hmm. the fun ones? Let's go. Okay, so James 4 and verse 9. Here we go. Be miserable. Woo, Jesus. (laughs) Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Marky and Buddy literally both laughed and they're like, (laughs) fun with those ones, guys. We're going to the conference. Y'all have fun. Deuces. (laughs) But no, so it literally says be miserable, 
mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Well, that sounds going, going pretty good so far. Sounds really positive. <laughs> sounds really good. But here's the thing with the Word of God. Whenever we read the Word, we have to have as our standard, God is perfect love. Right. God is only perfect love, and He is only looking for ways to bless me. Yeah. Like, we've got to know that God is perfect love, and we have to approach Him with childlike faith. So yeah. that, that's how we are to read the Word, knowing that God is perfect love, and we need to approach Him with childlike faith. Yeah. Well, a child who knows that they're loved, yeah. if they hear their parents say, be miserable, there's going to be some <laughs> questions of, um, that doesn't seem to line up with what I know about you. So yeah. if we just take this one verse out of context yeah. and ignore the entire realm of the Bible, <laughs> everything else it says, <laughs> then sure, we can have a doctrine that says, you know what, God wants us to be miserable. He wants us to live in condemnation. That's what our God wants. Go, no, no, never mind. I can go too far. That was going to be my soul. But we can, we can take that verse yeah. out and do that. But we yeah. know by this full standard of the world that it's the blessing of, of the world, of the word, that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Yep. He's told us that we're to take off a spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. Yeah. So these two things seem on opposing ends. Yeah. But if again, if you look at the full counsel of the word, go real fast to 2 Corinthians and uh 2 Corinthians 7. But before I get there, I want to read this verse in the amplified. So verse 9. Remember, we talked about submit to God, resist the devil, but then draw near, cleanse your minds. purify our hearts. So he says in verse nine, as you draw near to God, Mm -hmm. be deeply repentant. Yep. Grieve, even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your amusement to shame and heartfelt shame for your sins. So he's not saying, okay, in submission and resisting, now you cry all the time and you just live in <laughs> condemnation. No, he's saying in the cleansing process, yeah. as you're drawing near to God, drawing near to God in, as we begin to recognize sin and we begin to see how we have trespassed against God, that yeah. recognition of oh snap, I have missed it and I've missed it a lot. It should produce within us a deep spiritual sorrow, not a worldly sorrow, but a godly sorrow. And I can prove it in 2 Corinthians 7. I was telling Abby, I became very familiar with this verse because very early on in being here, I'd go to pastors. I'm like, I'm sorry. And they'd be like, No, you're worldly sorrowful. You're not godly sorrowful. You don't really mean it. You're going to do it again if you don't get godly sorrowful. So they gave me this verse. I became very familiar. Um, But 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God, this sorrow produces a repentance without regret. Yeah. So this is a sorrow that leads us to repent without staying in condemnation. 
Yep. Without living constantly looking back, it's a sorrow that leads us to repentance, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces mm -hmm. death. Verse 11, for behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. So this is literally saying godly sorrow yeah. is not to cause us to become stagnant, beat up. It's yeah. to produce something. And what's it supposed to produce? Vindication of yourselves. Indignation. And that the context is indignation against sin. Rising up against the very thing that led us to trespass against God. Yeah. It should lead to godly fear. It should lead to longing for the Lord. It should lead to zeal. Yeah. And it should lead to an avenging of wrong. That's 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 and 11. Yeah. So this godly sorrow is what James is writing about. He's yeah. not talking about the worldly sorrow that would lead us to death and condemnation. He's saying yeah. what we should be doing as we draw near to God, where we at one point thought it was so funny, all yeah. this sin, and we thought ourselves to be so smart and so proud and all this garbage, and we just thought ourselves higher than we should have. He's saying all of that joy in the world that is based on sin, yeah. as you come near, you should have a godly sorrow begin to produce inside of you that leads you to a repentance to work against the things of darkness. Yeah. There should be an indignation. There should be a zeal for God. Yeah. There should be a holiness that rises up. Like I remember moments in my life where I realized I, that sin had happened and I had missed it. Like I remember one time when I moved here, God showed me something that I had been doing wrong and I had accidentally imparted it to other people mm -hmm. like from where I used to live. And I had so much godly sorrow and I told the Lord, I will never do that again. I yeah. will never allow that again. Yeah. And I allowed it to fuel me against darkness. Yeah. Not staying in that pit, but mm -hmm. fueling it against that place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, well, condemnation, I've, um, as, as we all have, I believe, we've done it right and we've done it wrong. I don't know what you're talking um, about. <laughs> um, but condemnation is that weighty feeling of once we realize we messed up, Oh no, like does God even love me anymore? Can I right. do anything? It makes us not it's it's like chains. Like we don't want to take another step. I don't want to do anything again cuz I messed up. So in that situation, had you not taken on godly sorrow, but worldly sorrow, yeah. condemnation, you would have oh, I'm so bad. I've done this thing. I've heard that. what if I hurt other people too? Right. I can't get past this, you know, well, whatever whatever the mind gives. Yeah. It's it's leading to death. But godly sorrow, I can truly tell you when I've done it right, it's been great. <laughs> godly sorrow isn't, isn't that weighed in that all. Oh, it's the Lord saying, hey, this was wrong. Yeah. This wasn't, don't do this again. And it's a freedom almost. Like, I don't know. It doesn't make logical sense. It's peace that passes understanding yeah. of, yeah, I'm, I messed up. It might have been big. Praise God that you covered my sins yeah. and that you're empowering me and showing this to me and teaching me how to change it so I can go forward and never will do that again. Yeah. And that it empowers, like you were saying, it empowers to go forward. Yeah. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'll never do it again. And we can truly be in joy. Yeah. Even, even in a moment like that, oh man, I messed up pretty big. I messed up pretty big and yet 
I can be in joy knowing, thank you, God, that you love me so much to point this out and to empower me to do it right. Well, and truth be told, there should be a weightiness when we approach God with this stuff. There should be a weightiness in our repentance. I I don't know if you just said there shouldn't be. If you did, that's not, I'm not contradicting you at all. But what I'm meaning is the price for us to live free from sin was the highest price someone could possibly pay. Jesus took every bit of the punishment for sin on his shoulders. And not just sin as this theoretical word. No, every wrongdoing I have ever done was a lash on his back. Yeah. Every wrong step I've ever taken was a price he paid for me. My sin added (laughs) to him on that cross. My sin was a weight to him. I love him. Like it's like if I found out that something I did wrong impacted George, yeah. I would hate that. Yeah. Like I would hate knowing that George had to pay a price because I messed up. Yeah. How much more should we allow godly sorrow to hit us when we realize I've just been living in flagrant sin? I've just been becoming a partner of the world? I've been allowing the world to become a part of me and my sin weighed on Jesus. Like that should hit us. That should weigh on us. Not in a way, like Abby's saying, not in a way that leads us into condemnation and pity and self-hatred, but it should be something that moves us to say, my sins may have weighed on you, but I'm not adding another stripe to your back, God. Yeah. I'm not adding another blow to your side. I will live free from this garbage, and I'm turning around. I'm giving my life a 180. It was headed yeah. in one direction, but no longer will I go that way. I'm turning yeah. because the price that was paid is too high. Yeah. So when we start to think of it through that lens, that's why a lot of times you'll see people at the altar crying when they're coming up to accept Jesus because they recognize the price that was paid. We can't let ourselves get so desensitized to grace and to God's price that we blow past it and just abuse it. Yeah. Like, no, that's why we said at the very beginning, grace is not something that we just mess around with. Every time I abuse grace, I'm adding to Jesus's weight. I can't do that. I love him too much. And that's why he's saying, you're going to, there should be some grieving over this. Not staying in there, not living in it, but the weight of it should cause us to recognize the enormous love of God. The enormous love of God that was shed on Calvary when Jesus chose to give his life as a living sacrifice for God. And said, no matter the cost, I'm paying it because my love is that big. I love them too deeply. So how do we live free from sin? He literally says in the next verse, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. He will exalt you. So even in that, as we're recognizing how far the chasm is from where we were to the perfection of Christ. (laughs) And we see that gap. Yeah. If we'll just humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, I have room to grow. I have things to work on. Yeah. Help me. I need you. I want you. 
I have to have、yeah. you, Lord. You are the Lord of my life. I need you to help me. You are the only wise God. Jesus is perfect. As we humble ourselves to Him like that, and notice none of it was, "I am such a horrible sinner.、Yeah. I messed up so big and deeply.、Yeah. Let me tell you about all of my mess ups." He knows them all. <laughs> Confess them. But I'm not staying there. As I humble、yeah. myself to Him and recognize. He is the Lord of Lords. Yeah, He is the one that calls the shots. He literally, He literally says, "As we humble, God lifts us back up and exalts us." Yeah, we may lay prostrate in front of Him in reverence, but God is the lifter up of the brethren. Yeah, and He keeps us from from living in condemnation. Yeah, yeah, and and a good key with doing that, right? Humbling ourselves. In the godly way and not the worldly way、mm-hmm. is not focusing on us. For sure, focusing on Him. God, You're so good. You are the truth. I set my eyes on You. Yep. You are the one who brings me help.、Uh, I repent for ever doing that. Yeah. Instead of looking at man, God, I really messed up. You told me to do this, and I did this wrong. And do you see the difference?、Mm-hmm. And that that focus on self. I can tell you, I've done it wrong in an effort to hum- to do this right.、Yeah. I've done it wrong simply by focusing more on myself、yeah. and my faults. And if we, it says, set our mind on what's good and lovely. Even in humbling ourselves, we're supposed to still obey the word. Set our things on thing. Set our mind on things which are good and lovely. God, you are the truth. Yeah, you are the only wise God. You want to help me right now. You want to give me wisdom. You want to teach me how to do this better instead of things that aren't worthy of praise. Like, man, I did this so wrong.、Right. <laughs> I did this so bad because that can very quickly、um, take a not good turn. And、yeah. that, that's a simple way that, out of a heart of wanting to do this right, I can say I've done it wrong.、Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's simply that still looking at the word. Okay. Let me let me humble myself and meditate on things that are worthy of praise. Yeah, like you, Lord, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, I may not have been, but let me focus on you, and that's that's one simple way that I can、uh, share. That's <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. So how do you live free from sin? How do we live free from sin? Yeah. First of all, we allow God to show us when we've been in sin. Yeah. We don't get we don't let ourselves get deceived. We allow the Lord to convict us. We allow whether it's personally and His Spirit talks to us, or it's through the preaching and teaching of God that our pastors and our leaders around us bring. We allow God to show us when we've missed it. We let Him bring that to us, and when He does, we cannot allow ourselves to stay in that place of sin. Yeah, we have to allow sin or not sin. We have to allow God. We have to allow God to push us into the place of repentance through that conviction. He's not going to、yeah. make us repent, but His conviction can help pull us to that place where we realize the need of it. So we allow Him to expose it, and then we draw on the grace of God by submitting to it. Lord, You're showing me I've missed it in this area. I'm going to submit to You. I may not even understand. How I'm missing it in this area, but I submit to you, and、yeah. I'm going to choose to resist the devil. It may be big, it may be small, but I'm going to submit. I'm going to resist as、yeah. you. So number one, God exposes the issue. Number two, we submit to that leading of God. We submit to God's ways. 
Number three, we resist the devil when he tries to tempt us. Number four, we draw near to him. Yeah. And as we draw near to him, we bring ourselves to him in all humility. And in that humility, he'll cleanse us, he'll purify us, and then he will exalt us. And that's how we can live free from that sin. Because in that place, we then receive that grace of God to walk it out. Yeah. It, it, like, it's, it's not a complicated process. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. And that's, where, that's why he says that God, God gives a greater grace. Because that deception of, man, this is too hard. Mm-mm. It's not. There's a power that's greater than sin. Yeah. God's grace is available to break its back, and we just need to walk it out. Yeah. The truth is, it doesn't matter how you feel. Like, I've, like there's been things in my life where I've, like, the Lord's told me, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, Lord, I want to fix this. But then I feel like, I just don't feel like I can. I feel like I've been, like, it's so much of a habit. I don't feel like I, I can fix this, God. And that has nothing to do with anything. Nope. No matter how your feelings may feel, no matter how real it feels, God's word is true. Mm-hmm. God's word is true. And all we've got to do is just apply his principles. Amen. And it works every Amen. single time. Amen. Are you good to be done today? Or to stop here in the book of James? I think we got, I think we reached it. I do as well. I mean, we could have pushed it and been here for another hour, but we're going to let Buddy and Marky go over um, all the rest of James 4. <laughs> but truly, thank you guys for being on with us. And we're just yeah. going to pray. And Ask for God to show each of us. Lord, show us where those areas are where we can give ourselves more fully to you. Show us what those things are that we've partnered with the world so that we can break those ties and allow you to be the Lord of our lives again in every way. So Jesus, in the name, we ask you right now, shine your light on each of us. Expose anything that's not of you. And Lord, as you do so, I ask in the name of Jesus that you give us a resolve that as these things come to the forefront, we are quick to submit. We are quick to resist the devil and we are quick to draw near to God. Just say that I am quick to submit to God. I am quick to to resist the devil and I am quick to draw near to him. I'm quick to draw near him being God. But (laughs) Lord, thank you. Thank you. That as we commit to those things, life gets easier. It gets easier and it gets far less complicated. We refuse to be double-minded. We refuse to be unstable. We refuse to allow ourselves to be tempted back into the world that we were set free from. We are no longer citizens of this world. We are ambassadors of God and we will live like it from this day forward. We will live like it from this day forward. We call for sin, hidden sin to be exposed right now. Show us what those things have been. And as they come to the surface, we deal with them appropriately. We submit them. If we need to confess them before man, we do. We confess them before you. We repent and we allow that godly sorrow to just spur us on into new levels of holiness. And we thank you for this word. Thank you for next Friday's broadcast where we're going to be digging into the rest of James 4. And thank you for sharpening us more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. And truly, I, like as we were praying, I was just filled with joy, even even at something that seems totally unjoyful. Like, Lord, expose hidden sins. What? Why could you yeah. be joyful at that? And truly, that's because God, as we said at the very beginning, we've got to keep in mind it's because the Lord wants better. The reason yeah. He had us covering this today and speaking this is because no matter what, He wants better for you. Sin not only affects those around you, it affects you yeah. and your quality of life here on this earth. He doesn't want this vapor of time that we have on earth to be miserable mm-hmm. and us just survive until heaven. He wants us to live and have life and life to the full till it overflows. Yeah. And in order to do that, we've got to get the sin out, got to get that death out in order to have that fullness of life. So it truly is a joyful thing. Sweet. If there's something, Lord, and I, I fully meant it as we were praying too. If there's something hidden I don't know about yeah. that's not of you, God, let me know. <laughs> Let's get it out of here together because yeah. I know you're not mad at me, God. You're not mad at me because of it. You want the best for me. So show it to me and we'll, we'll get it out together. Amen. Yeah, it's really a joyful and a hopeful thing. So don't, don't leave this broadcast feeling, man, that was rough. <laughs> that was my toes were stepped on and I feel so sad or whatever. We should be filled with more joy and hope than what we came in with. For sure. Yeah. Amen. So today, if you want to sow into this word, you're free to do so. You can go to giveww.org. So partner with us and know that every seed that is sown, it's going towards souls. It's going toward the gospel being furthered here in this world. And we just, we thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your faithfulness, not just in your seed, but yeah. thank you for your faithfulness in sharing the broadcast in praying yeah. for the broadcast in bringing your supply of faith, hope, and love to our live broadcast. It makes such a difference when people are on and hungry and engaged. Like it makes it that much easier to get the gospel out. So thank you for your partnership. But we want to pray over every financial seed that's sown today because God has plans and destinies attached to every single seed that's sown. It's not just a dollar. It's not just multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars. It This represents lives and destinies that God now has a legal access to inject his grace. So, you know, if there's been pressure on finances and today you have the prompting of the holy ghost to to sow not out of pressure but the prompting of the holy ghost that says you know what i do want you to sow today and you sow your finances you submit that to god then that submission and the choice to sow that's an action that is showing that you're resisting the devil You're resisting that thought of, I can't sow. Uh, It's going to be too hard to sow. And what happens per what we just read as we submit and resist the devil? Yeah. The devil flees. So know that your seed today has a devil fleeing power. Power. That's the word. I was going (laughs) to say anointing, but that's not 100% what I knew we wanted to say. There's a power on it that just causes the enemy to have to take his hands off. Yeah. He can't touch a seed that's going to God. He can't touch it when resisting him is in play. He will flee and we will watch as God's finances will increase. Amen. 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 So thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you, Lord. We receive from you 
Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to sow into your yeah. word, to sow into your kingdom and your good soil. We take it with such joy and such honor. Thank you, Lord, for every seed sown today, no matter if it is monetary seed or if it is their time that they're sowing into this broadcast or if they're sowing a like and a share and a subscribe. Thank you, Lord, for every seed. You see every seed today and thank you for blessing it. In Jesus' name, your word will not return void. Thank you for the harvest that is coming from every seed sown today. Thank you that it is multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Thank you that it comes quickly back into their hands and is a great testimony. In Jesus' name, amen.